Hi, friends. We're talking today with Sherry Stamps, founder of Navigating Parenthood. We'll hear all about her inspiration to fill the void in maternal health education, how she's supporting parents in their postpartum journey from before they even give birth, her plans to lower the maternal mortality rate, and so much more. Plus, there are some fun details about free workshops and information that Sherry's providing through Navigating Parenthood in the coming weeks. This is an incredibly informative episode that I'm so excited to share with you, so I hope you enjoy. normal zoom meetings i'm like trying to run off into a closet and they're screaming after me because you know they want to be on me or closing the computer or whatever um <laughs> yeah so yeah just the urgency of okay take them to the park let them go play in puddles it rained this morning um for the first time so hopefully they're where are you guys you're that. in northern california yeah kind of near stockton okay so yeah, it's been, is this your first rain of the, of the autumn? I believe it is. Yeah. Very nice. It's always, yeah. I feel like that first rain is always so refreshing. And then yeah. at least up here in Seattle, by a certain point, we're like, okay, we've had enough. Thank you. <laughs> Carry on. Well, well, um, our Starbucks just came out with, you know, all the holiday stuff yesterday. So it feels like, Oh, you know, we basically skipped November. It's like, oh, it's like I'm in December. All the holiday feels. <laughs> I got the little bit of rain, and you know, because we don't get the weather too hard here. Um, right. Yeah. So it's like, oh, <laughs> got my Christmas tree. <laughs> We're good. At least it, they waited until after Halloween, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't care about that. I was telling my husband, well, especially especially because I have to take pictures of things, you know, I was like, let's put it up now. He's like, let's at least wait until the day after Halloween. So we, we did do that. Um, but I'm like, I have to take some, you know, holiday guide pictures this weekend. Oh, right. Cause everything is basically prepped for content for you. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's dive into what you, what you do. Tell us about navigating parenthood. How, who, who is it? What is it? What was your inspiration? How did we get there? Give us the whole rundown. It's a well, it's a little bit of a windy road, like most businesses, I guess. Um, so I started out as an editor, you know, working for other publications online and in print. And when I had my first kiddo, who's now almost 10, um, you know, like any parent was like nothing I expected. I didn't <laughs> even know that attachment parenting was like a thing. I didn't, you know, it was so hard to leave her. I honestly, it's a whole different topic, but. So I was with her. Um, I, I had my first away from her job at like 18 months or something because I was doing freelancing and other things. And that first job was so difficult. And I would go into work and they would constantly say my face looked like I didn't want to be there or they would like try to read me. And, and I'm like, I do want to be here. It's emotionally difficult. Yes, but I want this job. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Um, so constantly they bring me into meetings. I don't think you want to be here. And I'm like, I'm just sitting here looking at a computer editing things. Like, what are you doing? Right. But from that job, I learned um, about the influence of bloggers. Before that, I thought, okay, blogging is just, okay, you're writing your thoughts. It's like your online journal. Like as a someone who studied journalism, I didn't think very highly of it. Um, but I was sure. learning how that was changing and how it was becoming you know, individual websites and how these other bigger websites actually needed these bloggers and needed the traffic that they drove to their sites. 
Um, and I thought, wow, this makes it possible for me to create my own parenting website. Um, one that's a little bit different from theirs. That's not doing glosses, you know, just talking about celebrities and what they're wearing and what they just did last week, you know, and, and, right. oh, the, they didn't put their kid in this car seat. So I w- went off and started trying to figure that out. And I made savvy every day because my daughter's name is Savannah. And it was about, be, you know, being savvy about parenting and having Savannah every day. Um, but people were thinking it said savory or they would spell <laughs> it as every day is one word when it's two. And I just had a lot of like errors with my name. So I thought, well, how can I make this easier? And I wanted to turn it into Navigating Motherhood, but that name was used. So I became Navigating Parenthood um, because I want it to be, though most of the content is really mom-centered, I do want it to be a site that both parents can go to um, and learn from. I mean, I have some content about dads. I'd love to bring in more. Um, And, you know, it's about the, the fact that this is a whole family experience. Moms really deal with a lot of stuff, but, um, you know, parenthood is the whole family. And I recently did a rebrand where all of the letters of parenthood are different colors because parenting looks different for everyone. And even the same family, parenting looks different with each child um, that you mm-hmm. add to the family or even each phase your kid's in, right? You, you go through the, like the struggles of the first year and then your kid's like a toddler or elementary schooler. And then you meet someone who has a baby under one and it feels like it was forever ago. You know, you kind of forget some of this stuff or you think you know it, but you're not in the throes of it like they are anymore. So it's it's very different. Um, so, you know, I thought, OK, parenthood is is a completely interesting and windy journey and it's not the same for everyone. So I represented that in the logo and um that it's different, but can be beautiful. So then I have that pretty beautiful font. And with the pregnancy of my second kiddo, I wanted to sort of fix my first pregnancy uh, experience and birth. And that sort of led me into adding services to my content website, which is mostly just, you know, it was like a website um, for people to read stories and product reviews and get information. And then with that, birth experience, it turned into me training as a postpartum doula, training as a birth doula, but I don't practice that since I have little kids. Mm -hmm. And then learning about all these other things and going, wow, why doesn't anyone tell us about this? So over the years, you know, then I had my, my third pregnancy. And with that, I became a lactation educator and a mother roaster and an infant massage instructor so that I can add more, you know, tools to my basket and have more information that I can relay to parents. And um, that's led me to creating online programs. And so I've added more things to navigating parenthood. So it's more than just um, content reading site. It's also a site where you can get services and take online classes. And now we're going to have a breastfeeding summit in December as well. It was a really long-winded that's... answer. So. <laughs> no, it's great, though. Well, there's I find that there's always a journey, right, for, especially <laughs> yes. for women who are getting into the industry of assisting, giving birth, assisting with birth, you know, um, advising with birth, however you want to look at it. It's because I did the same thing. After my first daughter was born, I went through doula training, and this was in 2010. But it, it was – I feel like it opens your eyes to a completely different – 
perspective on the world that you just otherwise just don't have. And it's, um, you know, there is that cliche that like you don't understand until you experience it, but it's true. And it suddenly you see everything differently. Right. Totally. And this is something that we talk a lot about on the podcast as well, but there's just such a lack of providing information, providing real information to moms during pregnancy, during postpartum. We're, we're so, um, I guess sort of swept under the rug, right? Because the care becomes about the infant and which is obviously very important. Infant care, newborn care is we need it because they're, they're such fragile, delicate little beings at that stage of their lives. But so were the moms in a completely different way. And so, um, the fact that, that, that inspired you to create something essentially out of nothing, right? Because you recognized the intense need for families, not even just moms, moms, yes, but also fathers and, and co-parents and support systems to have access to this information is great. And it is so important. And it is something that I feel like even just in the last 10 years, we're really fighting to get um, a spotlight on. Definitely. It's, I mean, that was one of the major reasons I created a postpartum preparedness program Back when my son was um, first born, he's now, he's going to be four in February, um, because I was trying to achieve this natural pregnancy. You know, I think pretty much everyone who has a second kid is like, I want to change that first pregnancy. Unless, of course, you know, they happen to be the, I don't know, 1% that has like the perfect first birth experience. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, but they're, you know, you're striving to make everything different, but you don't have all the tools and information yet. So usually it's like not until your third or fourth kid that you're finally like, yeah, I finally did all these things I wanted. But even with that birth and um, pregnancy, all of that postpartum is unexpected. So you really don't know what's going to be thrown at you. So the more information tools you have, the better it is, the more prepared you can be. But with that second birth experience, I finally, I got my natural birth because with my first, I was induced and I had the whole package. They call it where I had the catheter, epidural, everything. Um, I was in my twenties mm-hmm. though. So I, you know, bounced back as I say, fairly okay. But with my second, there was a six year difference. So it was really hard. <laughs> um, and through the doula training, I learned um, that I had perinatal mood anxiety disorders with my first I went it, it was really really hard and I lost a lot of friendships and people were like what's wrong with you instead of hey how can I help you you know when I was trying to tell them how I was feeling and I even went to therapists and nobody caught it and that's why when I learned about it in doula training um while pregnant with my second I was like I need to do I need to learn more about postpartum so after he was born I hosted the postpartum doula training at my house so that I was able to do it since I had a little baby and you can't take a little baby, you know, to a training somewhere else. And I learned even more about it and learned about postpartum support international and how they help people with this. And then I started volunteering with them and that actually helped me feel better because with each kid I've had, I, I get it again. Um, Cause if you already have anxiety and depression in your life, you're more likely to get it while you're pregnant. And that's another thing nobody tells you they were calling it postpartum depression before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they depict it as, oh, are you sad and gloomy? But that's not always the way. Like for me, I would get really angry very easily. And I'm like, wait, this isn't me. I want to be very zen. Why am I like this? I'm so hot tempered and I'm like seeing red. What's happening to me? And then you're very afraid of saying it, you know, saying anything to anybody, Um, especially when the baby's involved, you know, um, 
there was a mom in Sacramento, I think it was a few years ago now, who who went to to tell somebody, you know, hey, I'm feeling these feelings. And then she got like a police escort. And, you know, it's the whole reason why it scares so many moms. So they say one in five have perinatal mood anxiety disorders, but that's only that's, you know, reported. Um, There's so many moms that just suffer for years, like I did with my first and I had it for a long time. And then came up again when I was pregnant with my second, you know, and but that time I knew what it was so I could address it. And that's huge. Just getting the information to people so they can address it and take, you know, take the reins instead of it taking over them. They get to take control. That's just so important. Um, And so, yeah, with that, with my second, I, I was like, I need to create this program that gives parents the resources ahead of time while they're pregnant. Um, And I worked on that, but, you know, it was like a first trial thing. And recently, after finishing um, volunteering with Postpartum Support International for a few years and the the whole pandemic, I was like, I need to revamp this. So I reached out to like 20 plus experts and I have about a dozen experts who are um, contributors to this online program. I have one that is for expecting parents so that they can prepare for postpartum in advance. Like, this is what you need to set up in your home. These are some exercises that will help you later. This is some information that you won't need to later, but is good for you to know now. And then separately, a healing program. Hey, you're in the thick of it. Here are your tools and resources again. And here's some things you can eat and do. Um, And I think separating the two is super beneficial because at first I just threw it all together and I think it confused people. Um... But yeah, the goal is to like lower the, you know, maternal mortality rate, which I feel is high because so many people are afraid of saying, hey, I'm experiencing this, you know, and 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 then also, you know, the medical access too. Yeah. Right. Right. Which before we get it, because I want to I wanted to ask you more about the medical access. But before we get there, something that you said that I think is so important is that um, just talking about how we don't we have that statistic of one in five women, right? But we also don't really address it. And there's huge stigmas around it. And the fact that it's not normalized, you know, in postpartum, especially in that fourth trimester, the amount of hormonal changes that your body goes through that then potentially can exhibit as emotional instability or whatever. I mean, that happens to literally every single woman that gives birth, whether Mm -hmm. it's vaginally, whether it's by cesarean, whatever. So you know, the the uh, sort of the uphill battle to normalize the fact that your hormones are going to change and that is going to change the way that you behave, think, see, feel, perceive the world because that's that's how our bodies function, right? All of our yeah. systems function together. And so it is normal that your your mood or your personality may temporarily change. And taking the stigma away from that for women is, is huge. And I just think it's so powerful and so important and I and I love that you're fighting that good fight because like you said you know people don't understand and you do lose friendships and you do have people questioning you know what's happened to you as opposed to how can I help yeah because they don't understand and if they had the knowledge it could be different as well right you could have an entirely different support system but people people just don't know and for whatever reason like many things about childbirth we just don't talk about it so then you have everyone, not everyone, but, you know, you have the people who 
are not your your rocks, right? You have those people looking at you being like, oh, well, looks like pregnancy changed her, but it, which, of course, it does. But, you <laughs> no. know, it's bigger than that, right? It's not it's not um, it's not just a matter of the fact that you're different now that you're a mom. It's a matter of the fact that chemically your body is going through something mm-hmm. that is abnormal to the 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 previous you right so it's, it's going a total to transformation yeah yeah i love i love that you're doing that i wish i wish we could you know make it front page news but it's just not interesting enough i feel like it's a lot of information to you have um you know you have your mom brain which is necessary you know your brain forgets information to sort of learn all this new information about a new being um but while you're experiencing this mom brain in pregnancy and postpartum you're also supposed to learn everything about everything you know um like as if you're a nutritionist and you're a pediatrician and you're a lactation you know all these things and it's a lot in that short span of time so i would even go far as far as to say you know we should be already teaching people about this stuff when we do the sex ed you know like hey if you're thinking about having a kid here's this other class you know like just as a primer so that they're not shoving it all into their brain like in a very short span of like a few months it's so much to take in and then there's so much misinformation um but I I definitely think that the whole process and system and and how parents are informed about things definitely needs to change yes yes and we need so much more postpartum care than that six-week checkup yes which doesn't really address the majority of the things that (laughs) need addressing anyway i i feel fortunate enough that i had a midwife um with both of my births who uh my most recent one my daughter is now four months old we had a, a 24-hour checkup, a two-week checkup, a four-week checkup, a six-week checkup, an eight-week checkup, and now it goes to every two months. But, you know, that's not the standard by any means. Um, and I'm sure, you know, I don't have to tell you, you know how sparse it is getting yes. postnatal care in the system. And even having to argue with insurance that we oh, need yeah. more than that, <laughs> <laughs> which is a whole other demon that I don't know that we have time to address. But Yeah, that is, it's really ridiculous. And the fact that there's also, unfortunately, because because it's so ridiculous and it's like a six month or six week checkup where they look and they're like, OK, yeah, you're good. Like pa- parents are just kind of like, oh, it means nothing. But it's like a technically I have to give a sign off. So there's so many moms who don't even know how important that checkup and future checkups are that they're like, oh, I really want to get back to, you know, not everybody. Some of us are like, can you please push this out further? I don't feel well yet, you know, but then others are like, oh, I know the six week means I can do go running again or go do this again or go have sex again. I'm fine, right. you know, um, and they push themselves or they, they, they're they like, I can't wait. And then they push themselves too soon. And that causes other damage um, in the long term, which they're not aware of because no one tells them. And it's like, you shouldn't have to ask these questions of your doctor them to answer and tell you this information that's kind of important for your own body um but <laughs> right but the doctors the aren't trained to address it <laughs> no right it yeah is. they're not well and and i so my background is in um pre and postnatal therapeutic exercise so that's like my bread and butter is focusing on keeping stabilizing supporting the body during pregnancy and then mm-hmm. helping it you know sort of become cohesive again postpartum 
But that that six week, the fact that that six week checkup is like the milestone for everything fitness related, or even just you know going back to having sex with your partner. Right. It's it, it drives me crazy on a completely different level yes. because no one's no one's checking your musculature. No one's no one's testing your pelvic floor activation. No one's checking your abdominal separation. And abdominal separation is only a very small piece of it, right? The strength of your linea alba is important to your abdominal separation. There's so many elements that go into making sure that your body is in the right place to get back to being physical, while at the same time still breastfeeding, still dealing with sleeplessness, still trying to support your baby, still trying to learn your baby, which is different with every child. Mm -hmm. There's there's so much stress. and It's like this pressure cooker. And we don't the the doctors aren't trained to pay attention to that kind of stuff and we don't educate mothers to pay attention to that kind of stuff either it's like the six week comes and goes and then you're supposed to be back to normal yeah we really need to include physical therapy in that and a program like what you know what you have set up that's amazing I mean even that is kind of like a long period of time without seeing someone but the fact that you're going to receive you know a checkup from someone every two months is still like light years ahead of everybody else. Um, Yeah, it it definitely, it needs to change. And then there's, you know, people hear about Kegels and they're like, oh, I just need to do Kegels. Um, But, you know, it's, you went through a transformation hormonally, as you said, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Um, after having my second, you know, with my first, we were super attached. I breastfed till four and a half. She co-slept with me until, you know, six, cause we were waiting for our house to be built. Otherwise it would have been slightly sooner than that. But, um, you know, then I had my son and I had no idea that I would have this hormonal shift where suddenly, cause I felt very detached from him while I was pregnant. Um, but as soon as he was born, super attached to him didn't want to leave the room, just wanted to be with him. I wanted my alone cocoon time. And I felt very detached from my oldest daughter. And I really struggled with that. And it took about nine months or so to finally, and, and, um, I think even with my third, I didn't have the same situation, but it took nine months for my son, my second kiddo to adjust to having a little sister. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, there's a huge adjustment period. And, and I, yeah, I was shocked. It really hurt me, but I couldn't control it, you know, just hormonally, instinctually. I was like, this is the newest baby. And it kind of like, okay, now you and your dad have some bonding time, which was good for them because they weren't as close as we were. Um, but I didn't expect that. And that was, that was difficult. Um, but you know, it completely changed me. You have the hormonal changes, the physical changes. Um, I know with my first, I had, um, gone to all these different doctors. I tried acupuncture and all these things because I was having painful intercourse. And it wasn't until like four years or so later, somebody's like, Oh, here, I can take you to a physical, you know, pelvic floor physical therapist. I'm like, well, that would have been helpful a long time ago before you put <laughs> me through surgery and all this other stuff to find out the reason. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, usually they tell you do Kegels, but I had the opposite problem. I was too tight. And so if you have a traumatic birth experience or anything like that, it's different for you. You need to see a professional who specializes in, you know, your pelvic floor. And that's just a whole nother area that not everyone knows about. They just think, okay, I see the OB and they know everything. Um, They checked me off. I'm good. Um, And it's just, 
you know, that's why it's so important to have all the information ahead of time. Yes. To me, Kegels are the equivalent of a six month, six week checkup. Like Kegels are not, they do not solve all the problems. In fact, they do not solve most of the problems, but it's like the one thing that we know about, right? We know Kegels equal strengthening pelvic floor in theory. I'm doing air quotes right now. <laughs> um, but your pelvic floor is not two muscles that contract and release. Your pelvic floor is a collective of muscles that do various different things and they all have to work in harmony together, which means that they're working with your glutes and they're working with your adductors and they're working with the lower attachments of your abdominals. And all of those things are affected by how you carried your baby and what kind of delivery you had and what kind of recovery you had. And were you in bed a lot? Were you standing a lot? Did you try to push yourself to exercise too soon? But again, if it's not one size fits all, the medical industry sort of doesn't. Yes. They have to streamline it, right? And they that's, do. And that's how, that's how their industry operates, which, yeah. you know, I understand. But, yeah, it's, there's, there's just so much more that needs to be addressed. So you, so you have three kids? Yes. I have – well, I have three, and then I have – I also have a um, about-to-be-14-year-old bonus son who I don't put online just for his own privacy – Um, but yeah, I have, um, almost 10 year old daughter and then a three year old son and almost two year old daughter. That's a good, that's a, that covers a good span right there. We, we also don't put our older daughter on, well, we don't put either of our daughters on social media, um, just for the same, for the same reason, but it's hard because you know, they're cute and you want to share pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so did you did you find because my daughters are ten years apart, so I had a very, very different oh. experience this time. Yeah. Um, being, you know, significantly older, my body being significantly older. I've gone through a couple surgeries for endometriosis at this point. I've had I had an emergency appendectomy. You know, my body's been through it's been through some stuff since the first labor. So I actually had the opposite experience of you where my first labor was at a water birth center and granted it was oh, nice. very long. <laughs> at the end of it, the end result was I got to have a natural delivery and natural vaginal delivery, no no pain um, management other than natural pain management, but no interventions. Um, and then this one, I tried to do the same thing. We tried to deliver at a water birthing center and about 14 hours in, things had gone so sideways that we actually had to transfer to the hospital and I did the full um, epidural with the Pitocin, with the catheter. Um, mm. So it was like polar opposite experience <laughs> and and not <laughs> not at all what I wanted. But I'm sure you understand as well, or I'm sure it's, you know, it, you have to do what you have to do to get the baby out, right? And exactly. You get into that mindset, you get that tunnel vision where you're like, whatever it's going to take, we're going to yes. do. <laughs> just help me. Just help me. You get yeah, to that, just... the, the transition point, I guess, is I think that what it's called um yeah the same thing happened with me with my third um so my first you know I had the package I didn't know about anything right you know I was um going to yoga prenatal yoga and to me I'm like yeah I did something you know um and then with my second I was like I'm gonna prepare for everything and I did hypno babies and it helped so much that like I was already in super active labor before we even got in the car to go to the hospital. Um, The only thing that sucked was my husband took my phone, which is what I was using to listen to hypno babies on, um, to go call the doula, say like, hey, yeah, you should come like she told you to, and the birth (laughs) photographer. And because he took that, then I lost that, you know, like listening to the tracks. And that's when it got real. But like within 20 minutes, he was born. Everything was great. 
But then I didn't have the water birth I wanted, right? So with my third, I was like, oh, I really want a home birth or a water birth. You know, that's the one experience I really want. And instead, I ended up with a four, like I was at the hospital for four days or five days, like of just being induced because I breastfed my second kiddo through my whole pregnancy. And this doesn't always happen for everyone, but they do warn about it, you know. Um, but I had like really, really real feeling contractions, not Braxton Hicks, for like a good month because, you know, I was nursing, which causes that contraction. Um and it was not fun. So I was like going through kind of like almost active labor contractions for like a month or so. So oh my I was like, gosh. okay, yes, you can induce me. But I was like zero dilated. So then it was like a game of dilating me and then me feeling really intense, you know, when, when they do the, um, I'm having a mom brain fart when they do the, uh, <sighs> membrane okay. sweep. No, I, yeah, I try to avoid those, but yeah, I couldn't this time. Um, when they use Pitocin and things like that, oh, yeah. um, it creates contractions that are, I mean, I guess you could use the word painful. It's just that it's different, you know, than what you're normally used to feeling in your body. Um, right. and they're far more intense than if you were to just labor naturally without their aid. It, they're so more, so much more intense. And so they had me on the Pitocin at the highest level possible for oh like God. three days. So I was like la really laboring hard. And so by the time it was like, let's push her out, I was like, I'm so done. I can't go on. Fine. I'll right. do the epidural. And they're like, you said you didn't want to do it. And I'm like, I know, I don't, I want to avoid it. But, and so they gave me the laughing gas and that helped a little bit because I was hysterical. I felt hysterical. And then and sir, um, three days of going through that, like, like you're was, not rested. You're not in a, I was like, so done when you're that sleep deprived. Also, your mental state is completely oh, yeah. shifted. I was so done. And then plus, it was the first time I had been away from my son who I was nursing until I oh went to gosh. the hospital. I was still nursing him to sleep. And so I was like freaking out about him. And then I'm like, oh, when is this baby going to come? And I was like, you know what? Let me just go home. And then I'll just come back and do it naturally. And then they're like, no, at this point you can't because you've been, you know, like in this, these active contractions so long, it's not safe. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then she ended up being stuck for like an hour and I ended up with the epidural. Um, luckily they stopped the, um, the, the drip like after 15 minutes or something because one half of me was completely dead weight. Um, mm -hmm. and so, you know, then that prolongs things. Um, it was totally, and I was embarrassed too, because I, you know, here I am like someone who's trained as a doula and I had like a doula friend there who was working as my doula. And then I had this nurse who was amazing. She was like an in-person hypno babies, like saying, release your jaw, release your shoulders, like totally helping me through these contractions in the shower. Um, and she was training as a sort of local community doula as well. So I'm like, here I am telling them I'm like this professional. And then I'm like, no, please just give me the whatever. I can't take it. Um, but it's like you said, you just need to do what you, you know, you have to do in that moment. And your circumstances change. Things are unexpected. Like they told me, you, you 
can't go home and just try to do this naturally anymore. It's not safe, you know? Um, Well, I feel like we learned that in doula training, too. Like, I definitely had to check my doula ego at the door because when we (laughs) transferred to the hospital, I was like, no, like, I know better than this, you know? But at the end of the day, you don't have the baby. The baby knows what the baby needs, right? To get out. And no matter what you no matter how you envision your birth, no matter how you want it to be. We just don't. We just don't have control. We just don't. And so I I definitely had a little bit of the same where by the time we got to the the hospital, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Just give me everything. I want the (laughs) Pitocin. I want the epidural. Like, I don't. I just don't want to be going through this this anymore. I'll take this and that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like, give me the spread and I'll just, you know, pick. I'll just pick and choose my vices. But you do you no matter what your background is or how much education you have, just there's just so much of it you can't. Right. have control over and it's so frustrating but but going in knowing hey it's you have no control expect the unexpected that right there will save you so much like frustration and sadness and feelings of loss later on there's so many mothers who hold on to like oh it didn't go this way I wish it did and even though my third pregnancy was like the worst in all these other senses Um, it was the best because the entire time everyone who was working with me asked me what my wishes were, consulted me and listened to me. And that's really the healing that I needed from my other birth experiences was, Hey, they listened to me, even though everything went sideways. Like I was a part of the process. Um, I went in informed and knowing like what can happen. And that's a big piece of it. That's huge. That's so huge because I find often that you don't get those options, right? You once you yeah. depending on where you live in I'm in Seattle, so you know, obviously it's it's um we're a little more crunchy up here. And I would imagine Northern California is a little bit the same as well. Like there there's a little more flexibility in the hospital system, but some other parts of the country you just don't. <laughs> You just don't well, have a voice. Well, you yeah, they, the they didn't, they didn't ask time. me, like, what do you want us to do next or anything? But for oh, instance, no, of course. With, <laughs> with my second, um, I delivered at Kaiser where they had midwives. So already there, like, I'm ahead of so many other people who don't have that option, right? Um, but with my second, which was I rushed in there gushing, you know, the baby's coming out. Um, <laughs> and at the, I was like, great, I have a midwife. At the end, I was like, you know, I want you to wait a few minutes before you clamp the cord. She was fighting me on it. I'm like, this is a midwife and you're fighting me on this? Like, it's, don't fight me on it. Just, you know, how hard is it to just do that for me? So I was uh, shocked and really upset. And it, why did she not want to do it? It was so annoying. And then I said, please wait for my placenta to deliver. And she didn't. She pulled it. And then also while I was pushing at some point, I hear her say, give her a shot. And I said, what, what shot? No, I don't want any shots. And I hear her say, give it to her anyway. So even though I had my natural birth, you know, she didn't explain, Hey, you're, you're bleeding a little bit excessively here. I'm going to give you something to stop it. So you don't bleed out. Um, you know, she was not giving me my informed consent, you know, option, which I'm like, Hey, you're a midwife. This is not okay. So That's why my third birth experience, even though everything went sideways, healed that because I specifically told them, I do not want this midwife anywhere near me. And they were all like, "Okay, we will um, respect (laughs) that because 
she ruined what would have been like the perfect birth experience by just little things, you know, it's not hard to just wait a minute <laughs> and then, and to and let then you clip ha- that cord. Yeah. Right. To let you have control over your body. <laughs> exactly. Like it's my body. If I'm saying, Hey, what shot? And you're ignoring me and telling someone give her a shot anyway. It's like, well, it's not okay. Oh, and no. you know, so I'm a, I'm a white female in Northern California. So I can't imagine what anyone else is feeling, you know, somewhere else where it's not even a midwife, you know, um, just, someone doing whatever to your body and you're in this what feels like emergency situation while you're trying to have a beautiful birth experience it's just scary um and that kind of feeds into the maternal mortality rate that we were sort of mentioning earlier um yeah so as far as the maternal mortality rate I, i i feel like this is a um a slowly growing in popularity conversation which is great that it's growing um but can you just touch on like basic bullet points of what people should know about the maternal mortality rate and then we can get into you know <laughs> i think it goes, solutions etc i think it goes a little bit into more something that i can't speak from experience but the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders is is one aspect you know the fact that women can start suffering during pregnancy with this um i know with my first i was having anxiety attacks and my ob was like i was explaining it to her and she's like oh yeah it's just an anxiety attack and nothing was discussed after that about it no solutions no follow-up like hey how are you doing um and i had no idea it was also connected to pregnancy. I thought it was just a random anxiety because I was going through like really stressful stuff and I didn't know it could be connected to depression and perinatal mood anxiety disorders. Um, so the fact that just informing people, I think helps you can get this while you're pregnant and it can continue for years, or maybe you're totally fine. And then all of a sudden a year or two later, this pops up because guess what? Maybe you were nursing for this long and your hormones are shifting again once you stop nursing and you experience it. Or maybe you weren't nursing, you experience it later. You know, like you were saying, the hormones really impact you and it takes a long time for your body to sort of process through everything after having a, a little one. Um, so that's one piece of it. Um, the other piece is, you know, if you are a woman who is, you know, black, specifically, or, you know, even if you're of Asian descent, any woman of color, um, you may not have the same birth experience as someone who's white. You may not be listened to as often. You may not be told as much information. Um, you know, I, I had to train to learn all the stuff that I learned, which is ridiculous. You should be able to know this stuff about your body going into this birth experience. So, you know, there aren't as many resources. And then um, there also is the financial disparity. So maybe, um, you know, they're not able to afford a postpartum doula. And um, there's genetics. You know, everyone has different things that they need to look out for in postpartum. And I know that the maternal mortality rate is higher for um, Black moms in postpartum. Um, because they may not have that postpartum support. And so Black Mamas Matter is a really great organization that I'm donating 15% of my complete postpartum prep online program um, monies to. They work to um, educate 
people. I think they're also helping um, more black women become doulas because, you know, you want your doula to know about your specific body, right? Um, And your own culture and your own lifestyle. You want the mother to feel comfortable with a person who's helping her and supporting her. Um, So it's really awesome all the work that they're doing. Um, Postpartum Support International has a lot of great information and so does um, 2020 Mom. They're California-based, but and so a lot of their information is very California-specific, but they have some really important national information um, on their site, a lot of great certifications you can do in mental health, but also um, in learning about how to decrease the maternal mortality rates. Um, so I think there's a lot of different pieces to that. It's the mental health aspect. It's the um, access to things. It's just how our, you know, there isn't enough information out there and how we need to prepare mothers better. I personally feel that by giving families the information and support before they deliver, that they'll have a happier and healthier postpartum because they'll have had the tools in advance to have like the healing foods so they don't have some other digestive issue later or to know, hey, it's important to support the mom um, or, hey, it's important to talk about these things in your relationship in advance um, so that we can save a lot of heartache and stressors and things that can contribute to some of these feelings um, and maybe suicidal thoughts and, and things like that and let them know you're not alone. This does happen. And so that they have the resources immediately should something pop up instead of them searching for months or years, um, being at their breaking point and maybe finding help. But then like that doctor is booked a month out or whoever knows like how long. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really big conversation. Um, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> but there's two things that you said that I really want to touch on. And the first is that um, sort of going back to that idea of of educating during um, pregnancy, the, what you, what you are doing, what you are presenting for mothers or for families is so much more nutrient rich, <laughs> um, than like a birthing class. Right. And I think that's, that's what is really sticking out in my mind is that there is education during pregnancy but it's all for the birth it's which is kind of like everything else and you can do um you know there are child birthing classes and then there are like newborn classes but it's still not it's still all very baby focused which again is so so important but if you if you are not healthy as the mother you cannot provide a healthy and safe space for your baby to an extent right we all we all struggle to a degree with the hormonal transitions. I had postpartum anxiety with this pregnancy I did or with this um with this baby with this postpartum that I did not have the first time around. Um and it doesn't mean that the baby's any less healthy, right? But yeah. like in the long term for us to be supported so that we can be optimized in all the things that we're doing, especially once we're juggling multiple children, our focus has to be on more than just the baby and and has to be on supporting us and has to be on educating our partners to support us. And so the fact that you're providing like a such more in-depth exploration of all of the things that people need to pay attention to before the baby comes, I think is huge. I think it's so important because like you said, once that baby's here, 
it's like trial by fire and you're yes. sprinting <laughs> to catch up with everything and absorb new information and Google whatever's going down in this, you know, in the moment and try to stay ahead of what might happen two weeks from now. And it's just like your brain is pulled in 47 different directions. And so to be able to have all of this information before going into, I guess, sort of the chaos of the newborn phase, it's I'm sure it makes such a difference on how the information is retained and stored for later so that when you get into those moments, there is that little voice in the back of your head that goes, hey, we know about this. Yeah, maybe we should start to explore. <laughs> That's the goal, because I mean, when you're in the throes of everything, you know, a lot of parents go to like some online mother group. Right. And then you get so many different opinions and things like recommendations that aren't safe. And they're like, but it worked for me. And it's like, that's good, but it's not safe. Like, let's not recommend that. And then, you know, everyone's just fighting each other and and Mm -hmm. you end up being even more confused. Like, what should I do? Um, And so there's so much misinformation there. And then you go to search online and either the information isn't there or again, it's like outdated misinformation or, um, you know, they go to their pediatrician and they're a general practitioner, so they can't really answer a lot, you know, everything, but they try to, you know, um, and then parents are often like, oh, okay, yeah, I should feed my baby cereal now at two months. And it's like, no, don't do that, you know. Um, so, I mean, though we don't really cover the baby thing in, in the postpartum as- um, aspect of the the online program, um, that's just an example. Um it's there's so much misinformation and it's hard to search through it all and find something and not stress yourself out. And, you know, especially when you're already tired and exhausted mentally, physically, it's, it throws you like through a loop. So it's nice to have all the information in one spot, like, Hey, these are experts. Hey, this is fact. Like they've researched this. Um, which is why it's not just me, you know, teaching all this stuff. I'm like, I'm not an expert in everything. Nobody is. So I reached out to people who know what they're talking about and they're passionate about birth and postpartum as well. And that have tools that can help parents experiencing these things. Um, that's so great. Cause you do need a whole community. There's yeah. not, there's, you're never going to find one person that's an expert on all of it. Everyone has their own little niches of the industry and the the specific things that they focus their time on, whether or not it's because they're passionate about it or, you know, whatever their motivation is. There's not one of us, there's not one birth professional in all of the world that has all of the answers to every single thing. So having, being able to offer that community to moms, a, a whole community instead of just one specialist. Uh, so I wish I would have known you existed when I was pregnant. <laughs> it's that's sort of like the core of the whole thing for me is erasing that I wish I knew club because yes every day I look on the internet it's a parent going I wish I knew this when and it takes like three or four kids for you to learn all this new stuff and the new things keep coming out I didn't you know like placenta burials it's not everyone's cup of tea but my third kiddo was our last baby. And so I wanted to do something special. And I wouldn't have known about that or even, you know, how some people, you know, eat their placenta or any of that was my first. It took several kids to learn about all these different things. So and and infant massage and um, craniotherapy. These are all things I didn't know until like three kids later. And so the goal is to give this information to parents ahead of time. So they're not always saying, I wish I knew. So they have the options and the resources in case they need it. Yeah. 
Well, and the second thing that you said that I made a little note in my head about was just talking about why it's so important to have a postpartum doula. And I would love to just have you say a little bit about that because I feel like there's this idea that postpartum doulas are like there to fold your laundry and, (laughs) um, you know, and like wash the diapers. Well, you can't have that with a postpartum doula. And it's nice to have someone who can like clean up when you can't clean up. Right. That's Mm -hmm. such a small piece of the purpose that they serve. So I would love for you to just touch a little bit on like why, what it is that a postpartum doula does that is so important to your recovery. Yeah. I, um, although birth doulas are amazing and super important since I am partial to postpartum doulas being one, (laughs) I almost argue they're more important because there's so much prep for that birth experience. And then you're just kind of left alone afterward, you know? Um, and with postpartum doulas, it's really, it's mothering the mother and each postpartum doula is different in what they offer and what they do. Um, you know, some do like further training to add things to their services. Um, but it's super emotional work. You don't get to be labeled as a medical professional or a therapist, but you're doing like all these things, right? You're helping the mother heal physically, like getting her to the restroom if she needs it holding babies so she can have five minutes alone. Um, But really it's centered around mothering that mother and the father or partner um, and maybe siblings, if there are any other siblings, um, because they're going through a huge transition as well. It's very mental, emotional, and physical work that your family is doing and that the postpartum doula needs to help you through on this transitional journey. Um, because you're becoming a new family unit. Um, communication needs assistance. So sometimes um, if it's something that I can tell is bothering the mom, um, I may help a little bit in communication. Like, hey, you know, you need to actually tell people how you're feeling um, instead of building it up inside. That's a huge one. Um, oh God, communicate with your partner. Um <laughs> And another one is letting them know, hey, let your partner know I'm here to support them too, not just you. You're both going through this transition and they need to understand what you're going through and you both need to communicate what you're going through individually as well and like what system you want in place with your baby and then care and things like that. Um, and then so there's the emotional aspect. Some um, some mothers and, and fathers need to sort of have a birth release ceremony. So they need to, Mm -hmm. you know, talk about their birth experience, release that, any trauma, any sadness, any regrets. Um, And the new thing I'm learning about is, you know, babies have trauma from birth too. So they might need to see a chiropractor cranio and release some of that trauma from however the birth, you know, happened. Um, And so doulas are fantastic um, tools to have in your home to, you know, just listen to you for you to, you know, say any little thing. And they'll be like, Hey, would you like me to get you a recommendation for that? You know, like if someone's um, having trouble with breastfeeding, they can give you a uh, lactation consultants information. They can give you a frenulum specialist information, um, so that they can see if your child has ton or lip ties. Um, and they can give you, you know, information for places like postpartum support international or local moms groups where they have support conversations. 
Um, so they, they can give you tools and resources. They can help you build a stroller. You know, they can help if they um, notice that you're really struggling with the laundry or you're feeling overwhelmed with the nursery or something or the kitchen needs to be picked up. They're not a housekeeper, but they'll help you with all of those things because they notice that's a pain point for you and something you're struggling with. And so, again, it's back to that emotional work. They're doing something physical because they see that it will help you emotionally. Um, and that's really important. You're, again, mothering the mother. So they'll make you meals. Make sure, hey, did you snack recently? You know, um, <laughs> make sure you have snacks around the house if you're, you know, nursing. Or even if you're not, you need to, you know, keep eating and um, drinking water. And, yeah, just be there for you. So it's I feel a like. set of eyes, it, right? Yeah. It's, and, like a, it's like a second set of eyes that is like <laughs> all knowing, right? Like, because when you're when you're in postpartum, even if you've done it before, even if you've had 14 kids already, every baby is different and every yes. postpartum is trial by fire and you're yeah. in triage no matter what. And so to be so you're so laser focused on that baby to be able to have that set of outside eyes that can look at something and recognize that it maybe needs um a little extra attention or maybe is something worth looking more into. I mean, I feel like that's just so huge. It is. And then also they can be one of the first people to spot like, hmm, something's different about your partner, you know, like so they can talk to mom or dad and be like, hey, you know, I think they may be struggling with something. Um, they might be the first people to notice if there are signs of perinatal mood anxiety disorders. Um, sometimes it is the postpartum doula who helps the other parent get help for um a mom going through psychosis or something like that. And that's like, that is so difficult. And unfortunately, you know, um, sometimes people think of postpartum doulas as only nighttime help so that the parents can sleep and they'll just take care of the babies. But I personally only do daytime, not only because I have little kids um, and I co-sleep at night, but because I feel like the heart of the work for me is with the parents during the day. So that especially if they're a new parent, I can help them learn how to wrap their baby and baby wear. I can help them with holding, just even holding baby is hard for, for some new parents. Um, I can teach them infant massage. I can do mother roasting for them if they choose, which is like a ceremonial floral milk and honey bath. And we can discuss the birth experience. Um, I do an abdominal press and some belly binding, you know, just like nurturing, healing, physical things. Um, mm. and then emotional things of just listening and talking, um, and teaching, you know, like, let's go for a walk and this is how you do this. And this is how you can do that. And going, if they need to go to like a doctor's appointment or support group and they're scared of driving with baby in the car, I can be the person who goes with them. You know, these are all really important things that, um, mean the world to someone who's in the thick of it, um, that, and a lot of people don't know about, but that's what a uh, postpartum doula can be there for. Well, and I feel like so many of these things too are things that in pregnancy, we think we've got it, you know, like, yeah. oh, I, I'm not going to need that. Like, it's fine. I know how to wrap a baby. It's fine. I, I'll be fine driving myself. You know, you don't, you don't realize leading up to it, no matter how strong or independent you are, that you are going to need that outside support. And especially now when like our communities and our bubbles have shrunk so much. Right. And like, mm -hmm. we don't just constantly have people coming in and out and holding the baby and, you know, dropping food by and checking in and, and we're so much more isolated now than we were ever meant to be as mothers. And so being able to have that, 
that outside assistance that is also educated. I think that's so huge that you you literally are here to you're educated to look for the things that are question marks, right? right. And that's not necessarily your mother or, you know, my mother, I'll use her for an example. She is immensely helpful with newborns, but she doesn't have all the knowledge and all the experience. So she only knows what she knows. So she can help. And we didn't have her with this last baby because of COVID. Um, but she can help, you know, with any number of things, but only the things that she knows, which does not cover nearly what a postpartum doula can cover. So and then you being have the bias. Have that, yeah. Right. Right. And the bias is huge too. Right. And being able to have that second set of eyes that is truly just there to ensure that everyone has the best experience possible, which sometimes can conflict with, again, using mothers, for example, their, their um, motivations can be different, right? Like my mom right. just wants everyone to be happy and that's that. And sometimes that can get in the way of acknowledging what needs to be acknowledged or treating what needs to be treated. Yeah. Um, I try to tread softly, you know, I don't want to interject when I shouldn't. Um, so I, but I think it's important to be like, Hey, noticed that you seem to be feeling this way or that you, your conversation went this way. Would you like to talk about it? And, um, you know, okay, you're feeling this way. I, you know, I think it would be a good idea for you guys to talk some more and, you know, I can find some therapists for you if you'd like, you know, um, like you said, being the set of eyes and noticing these things. So that way it's not, it doesn't become this giant crater, you know, in a um, relationship in a family later on. Um, And because postpartum doulas are supposed to be, you know, non-biased, they're going in, not like a family member who'd be like, well, I did it this way or a friend who's like, oh, I read to do it this way and I did it this way. And, oh, you should use this. You have to use this. Um, Though we have our recommendations and things and, oh, you know, stories and anecdotes and things, um, we are there to serve you, not our personal selves and preference. And so we, you know, follow these guidelines within your comfort and we're there to help you. Um, So it's, definitely a different way of approaching things. Yes. Yes. Everyone should, everyone should have access to that kind of care with pregnancy and postpartum. Definitely. Um, okay. So tell us about the 12 days of breastfeeding. Yes. I'm so excited about this. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to hear more about it. (laughs) Similar to, um, you know, I created the online programs because I feel like mothers need more information in advance. Right. So the 12 days of breastfeeding online summit happened because I was talking with the different experts in my online program saying, hey, let's do some lives together, you know, do more cross promotion and, you know, support each other. And then I was talking with Ingrid and Isabel, um, a fantastic uh, company that makes like cooling for moms, expecting moms, postpartum moms. Um, Like I said, my daughter's almost two. I just went to Target and got more Ingrid and Isabel pants, maternity pants, because they're what's comfortable and that's fine. Um, So I was talking with them about, uh, you know, doing a breastfeeding talk with their lactation um, specialist. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, this would be even better if we did a summit because we were just talking about all these ideas. And I was like, these are all great ideas. This is all important information. This could be, wow, this could be so much like different things. Um, And so I thought, you know what, those first two weeks are like the biggest struggle for so many parents. That's when we 
they drop off. I'm not anti-formula at all or anything like that, but I am a huge like advocate of breastfeeding. As you may have noticed through our whole conversation, I keep mentioning it. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, what can we do to help these new parents who do want to breastfeed um, get through that first two-week struggle? And since it's December, I thought, oh, it'd be fun. We do 12 days of, you know, like an advent calendar type of thing. But it's going to be a two-day summit. And over that two days, we're covering, you know, those first few weeks from birth to, you know, 12 days later, you know, what you need to know about pumping, um, story milk, ton ties, you know, because um, it's better to get those taken care of sooner rather than later, you know, how to notice them, um, what body work to do afterward. Um, we're going to have um, Tanya Sanders is doing a um, breath work presentation to sort of release anxiety. And then we're also going to have a positive mom mantra um, on another day. So it's going to be a mix of like, okay, let's, you know, there's so much anxiety and stress about breastfeeding. Let's release some of that. Um, and then also like super great information, like ton ties, which you don't commonly know about. And then, you know, the different breastfeeding positions and different nipple types, um, things that can help if, you know, you're experiencing X, Y, or Z in the first few days. Just so much information that usually parents are calling their doctor, like, please help me. Oh, it hurts so much. You know, why am I going through this? Um, so that they can get the information in advance. So it's meant for expecting parents, whether you're pregnant, you have a surrogate, um, you are the surrogate, or you're, you know, adopting but plan to, you know, breastfeed. You know, this is for you. Um, and if you're currently in the postpartum phase, this is still beneficial. It's just that it's covering that really small period of time. And it's in December. It's December 7th through 8th. What is the cost? Yes, yeah, sorry. It's a free summit, um, which yeah. is just amazing. Free summit. I'm going to charge for like recording access, something sure. like $5 at first. Um, and then the, the price goes up as you wait. But, you know, it's yeah, it's completely free. And then we also have some great giveaways during the live event. Ingrid and Isabel is giving away a bunch of fun holiday. They have, they're releasing a brand new bra. And so I haven't even seen it yet. It isn't released yet. But they're going to be giving it away during the live. And I believe they're also giving away their hospital bag, their mama babe hospital bag. And then um, we have Silverette and Nussle. They are giving away some of their items. So we have some fun like incentives for people to ask questions to get the, make sure they get the answers that, they, you know, they're one, things they're wondering about and then participate. That's very exciting. Yeah. I'm probably going to have to listen in even though <laughs> I'm I, I I feel like with both of my kids I had um I even hate to say it because I know it's not the case for most people but like I just had no problems with breastfeeding. We did have mm -hmm. thrush this time. But like I have a very active letdown. I have babies who have worked well with me. Like I just have never um really struggled in the way that a lot of my friends have. So yeah. I I'm going to have to join in and just listen and like be able to hear and see from other people's experiences, you know, because that's I think one of the most important things that we always try to hammer home with this podcast, too, is just that like everyone has a different experience and that's always the way it's going to be. And so being able to be open minded enough and um, I think giving of spirit enough to to be able to recognize that your pregnancy and your 
baby and your experience is different than everyone else's and like that's that's wonderful but like knowing that there are other experiences out there is also going to empower all of us moms to you know be able to be more supportive and partners too to be able to be more supportive and to be able to understand that there's more than one way to do absolutely everything when it comes to maternal care yeah that's a great way to look at that it's so important I think we're also like hyper focused on okay, how do I get through this? What do I need to do? Um, But being able to be open, like what you're saying, and learn more, um, just to be able to connect with others is just, that's so important. Yes, because we are, even even if it's COVID and we're all stuck in our own homes, (laughs) we are still a community and we can't get through it without each other. And even if, you know, we're isolated at home and parenting alone at home right now because we're quarantined, we're, we still have that outside community, even if it's just through our phone or through social media. We still have people that we're leaning on for support in one way or another. And so for us to all be able to have just a broader um, range of knowledge and understanding of each other's experiences, ugh, that's just that's I feel like that's what we need in the world, even independent of parenting. <laughs> we, yes. need, we need everyone to just understand a little better. Yes, it's just hard because we're all kind of locked inside our own minds and you have to sort of switch on like, OK, I'm going to be mindful and aware. And that's a whole different way of being. And you have to be really like, OK, I'm going to be mindful right now. And I think that's important in parenting just every day. Like, oh, OK, <laughs> I understand you're going through this right now and that's why you're acting this way. <laughs> Yes, that's mindful. huge. It does translate into parenting. It really it does, does. In such a big way. And yes, <laughs> being mindful and letting go of control over the outcome when your two-year-old is having a tantrum. Yeah, like, okay, going, let's okay. think about instead of just my, <laughs> my feelings of frustration, okay, why are they doing this? Okay, I need to be understanding. Okay, how can I, you know, it's, uh, it's a daily thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it really is. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a really great conversation. It really has. And I'm so excited to just share. I'm so excited to share everything that you have shared in this episode with our listeners because what you're doing, everyone deserves to have the access to what you're doing. Yes. And what you're doing needs to be mainstream. Um, and, you know, hopefully you're fighting the good fight and we can help you fight the good fight to get it there because that kind of education it just should be like back pocket education for everyone yeah i agree (laughs) it'd be nice (laughs) yeah it really would wouldn't it? it would make everything so different so okay i will put the notes in the podcast anything else any other closing thoughts before we leave you for the day um i don't think so i think we covered everything okay great Well, thanks again, and um, I hope you are able to get out in the rain and jump in some puddles with your kiddos today. Yes. <laughs> Should we be fun. I'm, yeah. I'm going to the craft store. I'm going to attempt to DIY things with children around, so we'll oh, see good how that luck. goes. <laughs> how much All of right. the house they destroy. Right. right. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. You too. Bye.